Today's Bible reading is from Psalm 113, and this is what God's Word says. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Great. Well, can I invite you to turn back to Psalm 113? Um, Psalm 113, if you're using one of the the church Bibles, it's page 510. And uh, thank you so much for having me today. My name is Simon, or or Cy. Most people call me um, Cy. I'm actually uh, Miriam's cousin. Um, She's hoping that you can't see the likeness uh, there. Um, I'm one of the pastors at a church called Hillfields Church Coventry. Uh, we're based just on the edge of the city centre of Hillfields, uh, of, of the city, um, of Coventry city centre. Um, as you picked up in Steve's uh, prayer, it's a very multinational church. Um, most Sunday mornings you get between 25, 30 different nations uh, represented. And um, it's a real privilege and blessing to be able to, uh, to serve them there. And uh, I bring them your... Um, bring you their greetings. Well, Psalm 113 is the third of a a small group of uh, Praise the Lord Psalms, Um, so along with Psalm 111 and Psalm 112. And it's the first of six Egyptian um, Halal Psalms that were connected um, to the Passover feast, Halal meaning praise. Um, So every year when the Passover was remembered and celebrated by all the different uh, Jewish families across the nation, um, Psalms 113 and 114 uh, were sung before the meal, and then Psalms 115 through to 118 uh, were sung um, after the meal. And you can see echoes of the Exodus event here in this psalm, Psalm 113. So, for example, uh, the question in verse 5 that is asked, who is like our God, is the question that was asked um, in the victory song um, in Exodus 15, as Israel stood on the banks of the Red Sea, um, having just been safely led through the Red Sea, and having witnessed God bring the water, uh, come crashing back down on Egypt's chariots. And of course, they, they sang that song and asked that question, who is like the Lord our God? There is no one like him. There is no one like him. And because this is one of the psalms that was sung um, at the Passover meal, it is extremely likely that Jesus sung this psalm on the night that he was betrayed um, and the night before he went to the cross. And of course, it's a very appropriate psalm for him to sing in that context, given the, uh, the even greater exodus of countless millions of people that he was just about to lead out of darkness and into light. Um, appropriate also because in this psalm, you will have noticed that God's glory is described not just in terms of his elevated position, 
but also the depths with which God is willing to stoop to help the poor and the needy. With Jesus having come from the glories of heaven and in going to the cross was just about to descend to the depths of hell to save poor and helpless sinners. So Psalm 113 is a psalm that calls on us um, to praise the God who is high and lifted up, uh, but also calls on us to praise the God, uh, the one who is high and lifted up, who descends and stoops and comes down to the lowly. Um, You can see the psalm um, splits uh, very neatly into three. And uh, the, the first section... Um, Verses 1 to 3, they are a strong encouragement and command to praise. Um, And we're going to look at verses 1 to 3 under the heading, Insistent Praise. Insistent Praise. You see, five times in the psalm, um, we're told to praise the Lord. Uh, With four of those times coming in the first uh, three verses, and three of those times coming in verse 1, which says, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Going on to say in verse 2, blessed be the name of the Lord. And so in this psalm, there is this command, there is this encouragement, there is this call, there is, there is this insistence that God should be praised. Uh, you notice that the praise is to be genuine. That's why verse 1, it's the servants of the Lord who are called upon to praise God's people. So it's not flattery that is being asked for. It's not empty words that are expected. It's not songs being sung without really thinking about what you're singing. It's, It's willing and glad praise that only God's people can give Um, It's to be specific praise. Uh, Three times the psalm either praises the name of the Lord or calls on the Lord's name to be praised. And you will have noticed that eight times in this psalm of just nine verses, uh, the covenant name of God, Yahweh, Lord in capital letters, is used. That name that God used to reveal himself to Moses in Exodus 3. Uh, The the I am who I am, the self-existent, uncreated God, uh, the one who redeems his covenant people, who, who, the, the God who commanded in Exodus 20 that his name be held with such weight and reverence and awe, that name that speaks of his reputation, won by his wonderful character and actions as he rescues his people from Egypt. Uh, you notice verse 2, that it's to be eternal praise. And we are to praise him from this time forth and forevermore. Eternal praise. Of course, with the ever-changing seasons, we are constantly aware of the passing of time. So summer has come and summer has gone and autumn has arrived. And you've noticed the uh, mornings and the evenings getting darker. The days are getting shorter And it won't be long before winter is here. And maybe you are mourning that already. You go on holiday, but so quickly the holiday is over. Um, Just last month, at the beginning of the month, um, if you're on any social media account, you'll have noticed parents posting up pictures 
of, of their child beginning, beginning primary school for the first time and they're in their, their new school uniform or they're starting secondary school for the first time or, or maybe they've, they've, they've dropped them off at university and they're in their first year of university and they, they just can't quite believe how their baby is now 4 or 11 or 18. Where have those years gone? And maybe you've recently begun a new chapter of your life. Maybe you've gone from education to employment or employment to retirement. Maybe you're a parent who's just become a grandparent. And maybe at the moment you feel very conscious about the passing of time. Maybe you looked at your face in the mirror this morning and inspected the damage. And no longer a young child or teenager's face looking back at you, but, but one now that is affected by the passing of time. And you see the, the wrinkles and the ageing and maybe the grey or the white hair or no hair. And, and, and if we're not careful, we can allow ourselves to feel controlled by time. Or, or we can feel that time is robbing us, that time is taken away or time has taken away all the things that we've lived for, and yet here we are reminded that in contrast to time controlling us or robbing us, time is actually a gift that God gives to us as a platform to use to praise him. So, so however young or old we are, whatever season or chapter of life we are in, this is our ultimate purpose, to use our time to praise our God. And so much so that even when this temporary life has come to an end, still we are to and will be praising him. And you think of Christians who have loved God and worshipped God and lived for God and now they've gone to be with God and now they are praising God like never before because God should be praised from this time forth and forevermore. You think of the, the countless number of heavenly beings surrounding the throne of, of God, worshipping day and night. Because God, he, he deserves to be praised forever. You know, you know that, that is quite a thought, isn't it? That, 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 that there is someone who is so worthy that they deserve to be praised forever and forever and forever. Uh, you, you, you think of when you give someone a round of applause and, and everyone starts clapping and then after a while there is that, there is that shared unspoken moment, isn't there, where um, people think we've clapped them enough now. Um, they're not really that special. And so the clapping starts to fade out. Well, well, that is never going to happen with God. The praise and the worship and the applause will go on and on and on. And, and, and people will want it to go on. Because God is so worthy of being praised and worshipped and celebrated. It's to be eternal praise. And verse 3, it's to be universal praise. Uh, universal in that God is to be praised everywhere and in all places, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So, so there is no place on earth where God doesn't deserve to be praised. Uh, wherever the sun casts its light, there God should be worshipped. Whether people are in Afghanistan or whether they are in Australia, God is worthy of their praise. Uh, in Malachi 1 and verse 11, God says this. Uh, 
He says, my name will be great among the nations. From where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me. Because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. And, and, and in one sense, because of, of, the, of the cross and the resurrection and the gift of the Spirit and, and, and the proclamation of the gospel, that's, that has started to happen. Uh, no, no longer is the praise of God um, constrained really to the, the borders and territories of Judah or Israel. It's, it's gone global. And it's gone international. Um, Listen to these three verses. It's from the hymn, uh, The Day You Gave Us. I love this hymn. I think the verses are up, will be up on the screen. Uh, We thank you that your church unsleeping, while earth rolls onward into light, through all the world her watch is keeping, and rests not now by day or night. Across each continent and island, as dawn leads on another day, The voice of prayer is never silent, nor fades the sound of praise away. The sun that bids us rest is waking, your church beneath the western sky. And hour by hour, fresh lips are making your works of wonder heard on high. God is so worthy of praise. He is to be praised in all places. And, and yet I want to ask you, what is, what is your praise like? What is your praise like? How do you view your praise? So, for example, I, I, know, I, I know I believe that God should be praised. I know that he's worthy of being praised in the way in which this psalm describes. But, but, but I find so often that my, my praise is so feeble and pathetic and shallow and distracted, and, and often, actually, it's aimed at things other than God. You, you think of a tap where the water doesn't flow very freely, and sometimes it's on, and sometimes it's off, and sometimes uh, the flow of water is strong, and sometimes the flow of water is just a bit of a, a, a drip, and to me, that's how it feels my praise and my worship is a lot of the time. I, I don't know about you, but I just get so distracted in prayer. I get so distracted in prayer. Um, I, I, I can so easily sing the hymns or songs in church or wherever, and I, I get to the end and I sit down and I suddenly think, I haven't thought one bit about what I've been singing. You ever get that? Um, I, I can get more excited about how well Tottenham are doing in the Premier League than I can about Jesus. Do you ever feel like... No, you don't. I guess not. Uh, when life is tough and life is hard and life is difficult... Praising God can feel even more of a struggle. And so this psalm, it's, it's a real help to us, it's a real blessing to us, because it, it refocuses us and it turns our attention back to God. And it's, it's a particular help to us, because it, it doesn't just insist on us praising God, but it goes on to give us two reasons that will help us to praise God. And so reason number one, verses four to six, our next heading, God is in the highest place. So that's our first reason to praise him. God is in the highest place. Verse 4 reads, The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. And then verses 5 and 6 ask, Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, 
who looks far down on the heavens and the earth. Now, now this is a, a question that Napoleon failed to ask. So, so on the day of Napoleon's coronation, um, he kept the Pope waiting for two hours, um, ready to crown him. And then when um, the Pope went to crown him, and Napoleon, he took the crown from the Pope's hand and just crowned himself. He just couldn't see beyond himself and his own success. And in some ways, he's exactly the same as us. This is the question that we should be asking. But instead, the question that we most often ask is, is who is like me? Or who is as great as me? Who is like us? Uh, this, this question, who is like the Lord our God, it's, it's asked in other places in the Bible. So, for example, we saw it in that victory song in Exodus 15. Um, it's asked in Micah 7. Uh, and, and the answers are different depending on where you read it in the Bible. So, for example, um, it, it, it's God's grace that displays his greatness. Well, here the focus is on God's height. So in verse 4 it says that the Lord is high above all nations. Uh, You think of the international powerhouses of this world with their military muscle and their economic might, whether it's the US or China or India or Russia or NATO. You think of those governments and borders that are hostile to Jesus and they're closed to the gospel. Uh, You think of Psalm 2 and how the nations rage and the people plot and the leaders, they gang up against God. And and how does God respond in the psalm? He who sits in the heavens laughs. As as God looks down on these puny nations that are so hostile to him, he he laughs. It's, It's laughable that they think that they can take on God. Um, I remember being on a youth holiday a long time ago and uh, we were at the beach and there was one of the teenage lads. They thought that they could take on the main leader who was called James Swanson in a wrestling match. And uh, we were all excited by this so we kind of uh, got together in a big circle around them. And this, this lad was pretty confident that he could get James to the floor and so he, he, he came at him with all these kind of cool looking moves uh, and yet James, who is about six foot six, six foot seven, and um, I still don't know quite how he did it. He just simply somehow, he bent down and he picked him up by the ankles and he just held him up outside down and he just gently swung him from side to side a little while. And of course, James's reach was far longer than his reach and so he was just helpless and we just, we just laughed. It was laughable. And James is so high up and this teenage lad was so weak and low down. And, and here the Lord, he's, he's high above all nations. Every single one, he, he looks down on them. They are nothing compared to him. You think about how, how Egypt, the focus of this psalm, you think of how Egypt and Pharaoh try to take God on. And God, he just bends down and he picks Pharaoh up by the ankles. And he completely defeats Egypt. Um, I, I remember flying for the very first time and, and kind of you're excitedly peering out the window as you come into land. And you, I, I remember seeing all of these kind of ants scurrying about on the ground as we were coming into land and was a little bit confused about this. And then just, obviously being quite daft that morning, but I just suddenly realised they're people. People who look so big and 
important when you see them face to face. But when you look down on them, they look so small and so weak. And, and God, is, he's so high, Isaiah 40, we just look like grasshoppers to him. Indeed, if you look in, if you look in verse 4, God is so high up that his, his glory is even above the heavens. So when we fly in aeroplanes, we're, we're flying in the skies. But, but God is so high up, verse 6, that he, he has to look far down even just to see the skies. And so the answer to the question, who is like the Lord our God, is of course no one. No one, there is no one like him. And the reason why his exalted height is underlined is to emphasise that in terms of his position and importance and glory and majesty and power, God is in a league of his own. It's not that God is at the top of the league, it's that God is in his own league. There is no one else in God's league. Uh, uh, there there, There is no one like him. Um, He is infinitely and supremely above all. He has no true rival. And yet how easily we allow the idols of this world to blot the glory and the greatness of God out of our views. Out of our view. So to illustrate, you think of the, the, the sun is a blazing ball of fire in the sky and it's It's so big that you can fit a million planet Earths inside of it. And yet if you just close one eye and you put a a 1 or 2p in front of the other eye, it just completely blocks the glory of the sun out of view. And and that's what our cheap idols do to the glory of God. That's what stops us praising him. When we allow the idols of our hearts to blot the glory and the greatness of of God out of you. And so we need to keep asking ourselves the question, who is like the Lord our God? There is none like him. But then in verses 7 to 9, we're given a second reason to praise God. And and this reason is that the lowest is raised. Though God is high up, he's not aloof. Though he's the lofty one, he's not remote or uninterested. Though we are so small and so weak and so low down, he is not uncaring of us or unmoved by our situations. So you see there, verses 7 and 8, he he raises the poor from the dust and he lifts up the needy from the rubbish heap and and he elevates them to positions of honour and privilege. Verse 9, he makes the woman who can't have any children a mother and gives her a family. He, he takes away her shame and sadness and humiliation and embarrassment and he brings such joy into her life. Of course, verse 7 and the first half of verse 8, uh, that, that's a direct quotation from Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel 2. Hannah, who couldn't have any children, yet who cried out to the Lord and was given Samuel and a family. 
Now, now, I don't know about you, but in one sense, to me, verses 7 to 9, they feel a bit of an anticlimax to the psalm. You've got, you've got the greatness and the glory of God in verses 4 to 6, and then you've just got him showing some uh, love and concern for a woman who can't have any children. Uh, and it almost kind of feels that the psalm is unbalanced, but, but of course, this is part of the greatness of God, that he, that he cares for the individual that he's concerned for the poor and the needy. That, that his heart goes out and is moved by the plight of the sad and the embarrassed and the humiliated and the shamed. You know, sometimes it feels really difficult to praise God, especially when you're really going through the mill in your life, where you're struggling with something which is really hard or difficult. And yet here is a great reason to praise him. God cares for you. You as an individual, God cares for you. Your situation has not escaped him. You are not unknown to him. You are not unnoticed. Your sadness or your need or your illness or your struggle has not passed God by. It is not that God is so high up and he has so many important things to do that he hasn't got time to notice someone like you. No, rather God is so great that he cares even about the tiniest details of your life. And so he stoops down and he meets your need. And so often he changes your situation. And even when he doesn't, you can point to so many times in the past when he has done that you are comforted by his ongoing care of you, the God who knows best. Um, At our church in home groups, we've just begun studying the book of Ruth. And, and, and one of the things that has, has moved me the most in preparing um, for us looking at Ruth is seeing how in the midst of the, the great and the sweeping plans of God, God brings joy and fullness and blessing into the life of Naomi, a widow who begins the book feeling um, bitter against God and empty and devastated and who ends the book filled with joy, with a baby grandson on her lap, who will lead to not just King David, but to the Messiah himself. And you see God's wonderful care of just one woman, an individual, completely changing her situation. And you think, how great God is. And and even if God hasn't transformed your situation this morning, can't you see his his care of you in giving you that strength to keep going every day? And, 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 And as you reflect on his care of you, don't you see his love for you demonstrated in the greatest of ways? As in Hannah being given Samuel, we are reminded of Mary being given Jesus. And how Jesus came from the ultimate heights of glory and heaven to descend to the bitterness of hell and the cross to die for you and to be buried in the ground for three days for you.
so that you who are spiritually poor and barren and needy and unable to save yourself or get yourself out of this situation so that you can be lifted up from the mire of your sin and guilt and made a joint heir with him. Sons and daughters of the living God, princes and princesses of heaven, raised to heights that you haven't even begun to understand yet. And this is our God, verse 5. This is the God who has given himself to us, to belong to us, and that we might belong to him. Uh, In the 1600s, a new prayer book was introduced uh, to Scotland to bring them into line with England, and they hated it. Uh, They absolutely hated it. Um, So one woman resented it so much that she... During a service, she picked up a stall and she threw it at a bishop for reading from it. Um, in, in another church, the, the congregation were so angry that they were using the prayer book um, that the, the bishop, when he read from it, he had two loaded pistols pointing at them to force them to submit to it. Hardly worship. Well, here we, we have not two loaded pistols, but we have two Wonderful reasons why we should worship and praise God. One, he's seated in the highest place. There is none like him. And two, though he is so high up, he cares for you and me so much that he gave his son to descend to depths that we can only wonder at. Who is like the Lord our God? There is none like him.